Jesus. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born into poverty. He wasn't placed in a royal bed. He was placed in a feeding trough. He wasn't heralded by the king. He was hunted by the king. Yet despite the fact that this Middle Eastern child was born on the other side of the planet 2,000 years ago, we lay our lives down for him today. People all over the world this year have given their lives simply for taking his name and loving others because of their love for him. So how did his name and the story of his life get to us on the other side of the planet 2,000 years after he walked this earth? By missionaries. That is how we, 2,000 years removed on the other side of the planet, know the name and the life of a little Middle Eastern child born and laid in a feeding trough. After Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead, he appeared to his followers and he gave them a mission to do until he comes back. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. And that is our commission by Jesus. We are to go and make disciples of all nations, which is an incredibly hard task for a small church like this one. We, that is our mission. We are commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. But imagine how difficult it would be for us to do that. To fund, well, if one of us would have to volunteer. So who's, who's volunteering first? To go overseas, a place where you likely are not immune to the diseases and the people are not welcoming of the message you, you'll bring. And then, if someone here does have it in their heart to be a missionary, how are we going to fund them? It's an incredibly hard task for small churches. And there are small churches all across this country. And that is what the cooperative program is for. That is what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is for. And it's amazing what can, be, what can be done when we come together. Now, Yatesville Baptist Church is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. We cooperate in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's a cooperative program. We, every single Sunday, when y'all come in here and you give your offerings, every single Sunday, a percentage of your offering is sent to the cooperative program that's split up to do international missions, to do North American missions, to fund uh, colleges, to do all kind of, to fund the children's homes. Y'all, y'all are familiar with the, the Georgia Baptist children's homes? This, this money is split up to fund all kinds of things, but... Even though part of what you give every Sunday does go to international missions, the International Mission Board, they receive a certain percentage from the cooperative program, but then they do their Christmas offering, that they take in an offering. What you give during this month of December, if you place it in that offering plate that says Lottie Moon, 
Whatever you place in that plate, 100% goes to international missions. None of it goes to, to anything else. Last year, I can't remember the exact percentage, but last year, approximately 60, 63%, somewhere right around there, 63% of their entire budget for the year of international missions came from the Lottie Moon Christmas offering alone. 60% of their budget comes from what we donate in this Christmas. And I'm going to show you how your money is spent and why I believe it's such a great investment. Real quick, their vision, their vision, the International Mission Board's vision and mission, their mission is to serve Southern Baptists in carrying out the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. Why is that important? Because like I said, as a small church, we can't really fund missionaries. We can't send missionaries. And if we do send them, we can get them there, but we might not be able to take care of them if something happens to them. And so we are disobedient to Jesus, and we're not helping make the Great Commission unless we can come together with other churches and pull our resources together to do so. And that's exactly what Lottie Moon allows us to do. This allows us to be obedient to Jesus and help to fund international missions. Their vision is a multitude from every language, people, tribe, and nation knowing and worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. That comes from Revelation 7, 9. Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says, After this I look... Now this is a vision that uh, God gave to the Apostle John of the end time. What is it going to be like at the end? When Jesus comes back and, 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 and puts an end to, the, to all the sin and pain in the world as we know it, and everyone's judged, and the world as we know it comes to an end, at that point, what's it going to be like? And God gave John a revelation of the end time, and this is what he said he saw. He said, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. So here's what's significant. It's not just significant that at the end of time that, that there will be people from every nation and every tribe and every throne standing before God. We know that because God's going to judge the whole world. Whether they're saved or lost, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to stand before God. What's significant about this is it says they were, they were clothed in white robes, signifying that they had been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And they were praising Jesus. That means that they will be saved people. Saved people who believe in the name of Jesus, who give their life to Jesus from every nation, every tribe, every, every people in the entire world. Everywhere, there will be people who are saved and believe in the name of Jesus. So, how are we going to do that? How are we going to reach all those people? Let me give you a, a little idea of what we're up against. Four and a half billion people on this planet are considered unreached. Four and a half billion. Unreached means there is less than 2% evangelical Christians in that group of people. So if that group of people has less than 2% evangelicals made up in that people, they're considered unreached. Why? Because 98% of them are, are not reached. You'll also hear me say unengaged. Well, let me go ahead and say, of that 4.5 billion, there are 7,070 unreached people groups, people that can be divided up either with different languages or different cultures or different locations. 
7,070 unreached people groups. So that's really the number we need to focus on. If there's 7,070 unreached people groups, then we need to focus on getting somebody to each of those groups. We got to get somebody to every group of people. Now, there's a breakdown. I won't go through all the numbers, but here's a breakdown across the world of how many unengaged people groups are in these countries. Unengaged means not only do they have less than 2% of evangelicals, there's not even a plan to reach them right now. They're unengaged completely. There are approximately, let's see, I wrote the number down. According to this chart, there are 4,920 unengaged people groups. So of that about 7,000 unreached people groups, there's about 5,000 unengaged people groups. In other words, we haven't even come up with a plan. We don't have people coming up with a plan to reach about 5,000 of that 7,000 unreached peoples. Uh-oh. And add on top of that, I know you can't read it from that far back, but there's 154,937 people die every day without Christ. 155,000 people die every day without Christ. And the, the sad part, and this won't be a sad sermon, but the sad part up front, if we're just going to get it all out and open up front, we've had 2,000 years to reach these people. And we haven't done it. It's not God's fault. It's ours. Now, there's different reasons. There's some tribal, there's some tribes that every person who comes within sight, they shoot with bow and arrows. Every person that comes within sight. There are reasons why some people are unreached. But that's not the overwhelming majority of this 4.5 billion people. It's going to take people like you and me who have a burning in our heart from the Holy Spirit who decide to give, to pray, and for a, for a select few to go. So this sermon is about giving to those who are going and praying for them while they're going. When we combine together with other churches across this nation, we can get people out faster because they've already got the networks, they've already got the training, they've already got the system set up, they've already got the plans. We can get people out to the international missions faster. We can get them to more remote areas because there's a chain of people that work with people to get them from one place to the next to the next. We can get people to remote areas. We can keep them in a sustained presence while they're there. Our missionaries are fully funded. 
used to, I don't know if you know this, but used to missionaries, they would go for about six months and do missions work, and then they would have to come back to the States for six months to raise money so that they could raise enough money so that they could go back for six months to do more missions work. And the International Mission Board has shifted to, let's fully fund them so they can stay there 24-7, 365 days a year. They can stay there the whole time. Let's just give them what they need to be able to make the biggest impact they can make. And then member care, this little heart right here, this is important. And I can't remember the exact country. I want to say it was Romania, but I can't say for sure. But I remember uh, last year or the year before, I remember reading about this or hearing about this story of a missionary who had went over, and I'm just going to say Romania because I think that's where it was. But anyways, they were over there, they were doing missions work. It was a husband and his wife, and they had a 12-year-old daughter. And she came down with scarlet fever. And because they were foreigners, they couldn't, they didn't have, they didn't have access to the healthcare system like nationals. So they had to pay for everything out of pocket. And it was outrageous how much they had to pay. I, I can't remember. Tens of thousands of dollars. I, I really don't remember what it was to get her the antibiotics she needed for scarlet fever. And this missionary was talking about, and it was telling us how you, would, you could never quantify, you could never put a price tag on what it meant to be a missionary with the International Mission Board as opposed to being a missionary just from a local church. Because he said, I called up the International Mission Board and they sent me the money I needed to get my daughter the antibiotics she needed to live. And had it been a local church that I was from, there's no way they could have came up with that money in time. It makes a huge difference what we're doing here. This, when we give to international missions, we are giving to, to them, but we are giving to support them, to protect them, to care for them 24-7, all year long. And it makes a difference. Here you can see some more statistics. Last year, and so here's some encouragement. Okay, I've been, I've been kind of you know sad about how much we haven't done, but let's look at what we have done. Y'all gave to Lottie Moon last year. Y'all gave the international missions last year. You've been given all year. Your money all year long goes to this. This is what the International Mission Board did with the money last year. They engaged, meaning there was no plan to reach people, and then they came up with a plan and engaged a plan. They engaged 827 people groups last year. 827. That's a huge number. A huge number. Especially when you've got to come up with, you've you got to come up with translating the scriptures into people's languages. There's all kinds of hurdles you have to overcome. Now they're doing videos. So they'll make a video and put it on uh, phones and put it on the little SIM cards on phones. And they can show people videos. That's how they're try, starting to engage people as well. 827 people groups engaged. 535,325 people heard the gospel last year. Now, I know we're sharing the gospel with our friends and families, with this local church, but I'm going to put a safe bet. We didn't come anywhere near sharing the gospel with 535,000 people last year. But you played a part in able to make that happen by giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 46 thousand nine hundred twenty nine people 
baptized last year. And that's a big deal, baptized. Because baptized does not represent how many people were saved. Because there's a lot of places, there's a lot of Muslim countries, there's a lot of places where people will become closet Christians. They'll believe and they'll accept the message, but they know if they go out in public and they get baptized, they'll be killed. And there's a lot that just don't have the courage to do that yet. So this is a big deal. 47,000 people got baptized last year. 12,368 new churches were started. 33,068 people received advanced theological training. This is a big, big deal, and I'll tell you why in just a second. And 214 people groups with self-sustaining ownership in the ministry work. In other words, it's not just sending American missionaries overseas to try to reach as many people as you can, but it's when you convert people in the area to get them who already know the language, already know the culture, and are accepted more easily by the people to help them to become pastors, to turn around and plant more churches. And then the church can spread a lot quicker and a lot faster than the outsiders can who people don't trust and won't even be caught seen with a lot of them. But that planning churches, training pastors. <clears throat> and then just a couple more. We have, as of May 31st this year, the IMB has 3,623 missionaries on the field. So that is who we're funding. We would not be able to successfully fund one missionary. But by coming together, we can fund 3,600 missionaries right now. Last year, 89,325 new believers. So I told you the baptisms weren't quite as high as the believers. 89,325 people told missionaries that they have accepted Christ. And the missionaries report these numbers back as accountability. 18,600 18, pastors trained and 12,368 churches planted. That's awesome. I mean, that's encouraging to me. I don't know if that's encouraging to you. That is encouraging to me to know that I'm giving my money to an organization that saved 90,000 people and planted 12,000 churches and trained 19,000 pastors last year. Last year. 2020 is not as bad as we thought, huh? And our missionaries are out there working right now. Right now. Every church, regardless of size or resources, can help reach every nation with the gospel. The IMB has been sending missionaries. You want to guess for how long? A hundred and 75 years. This is the 2020 is the 175th anniversary of the International Mission Board sending missionaries around the world. 175 years. And we can keep that going through our prayers and through our support. Now, I know 2020 has been hard on almost everyone financially. I know that. And so if you're struggling financially, I want to give you the same advice that Paul gave the church when he asked for money to give to Jerusalem. So a little backdrop, Jerusalem had a famine break out 
and everyone was in need in Jerusalem. And Paul went around from church to church accepting donations so that they could then go and give to the church in Jerusalem who was undergoing a famine. So imagine that. Paul's going from church to church to accept donations to help the the church in Jerusalem. And this is what he told the churches. This is what he told the Corinthian church. He said, for if the eagerness is there, in other words, the eagerness to give, if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. In other words, if you have and you want to give, it doesn't matter how much you have and it doesn't matter how much you give. If you want to give, God accepts your offering and is pleased with your offering according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. He goes on to say, it is not that It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question for equality. In other words, he's saying if you have to go without because you don't have already, Paul's saying don't feel pressured to give if you don't have. He said, I'm not trying to make you have a hard time and a hard life just so that somebody else can have what they need. If you don't have, Paul's not trying to pressure you to give. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much and the person who had little did not have too little. So in other words, Paul's saying, look, and I'm saying, look, it's 2020. I know it's been hard. I know it's been tough. If you don't have, you shouldn't feel guilty. You, 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 you shouldn't feel guilty for not having. If you only have a little and you only want to give a little, you should be proud of that. You should be f- fine with that. I'm not trying to tell, pressure anybody into doing something that's going to hurt you financially. But this is what I'm saying. If you have, and, what, and, and here's an example. If you spend $5 on a coffee a week, that's a joke, right? If you buy coffees, you don't spend $5 on a coffee a week. I'm just telling you. Now, some of you don't buy coffees, but I'm just saying. If, I'm just trying to pick a scenario. If you spend $5 on coffee a week, we have four weeks here in December. If you just set aside $5 each week, that's 20 bucks. Okay? You'd be shocked to know that that is, on average, more than every Southern Baptist gives to the Lottie Moon Christian Christmas offering. Okay? Because the majority of Southern Baptists don't give at all. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, what is it? If you're buying stuff, if you have money, if you're buying stuff, at the end of the month, at the end of your life, are you going to have wished you had bought more coffees? Or are you going to wish you had, for the month of December, gave more money to missions? Because I'm telling you, if you're thinking about spending your money on something, there's not a better thing to spend your money on than putting people into the kingdom of God for eternity. I'm telling you. And if you want to give to the kingdom of God, there's not a much better way to give to the kingdom of God. I just gave you an account. They are held accountable. They have to report. They have to, they have to tell what we did, where we went, who, how many people we shared the gospel with. They have to give an account to the International Mission Board for everything that they do. And that's how they're able to turn around and give you an account for what 
where your money went. And I'm just telling you, if you want to give to the kingdom, this is an excellent way to give to the kingdom. And when you get to the kingdom yourself, when your day comes and you die and you leave this place and you're standing at that city of gold, remember I talked about that city? That gigantic city made of gold? The whole city's made of gold. The wall, foundations of the walls are made with precious stones. You're going to get to that city. You're not going to care about wealth. You're not going to care about gold. You're not going to care about money. What's the one thing you're going to care about when you get there? People. That's what you're going to care about. And so if you know that's what you're going to care about then, pray that God helps you make that's what you care about now. And again, I don't know everybody's situation in 2020. If you, if you don't have, I don't want you to feel pressured. But I'm telling you, I'm giving you an opportunity that if you have and if you want to give, regardless of how much, your money is going to be well spent. And it's going to be spent towards bringing people into the kingdom of God. And that is worth giving to. And that's why I stand up here every Christmas and ask to, for the church to give. And that's why I stand around every Easter and ask to give to North American Missions. And that's the two times a year I ask to give because that is what the church is about. Growing and fueling and moving the kingdom of God. That's what we're for. That's why we're here. And that's our mission between now and the day that Jesus comes back or calls us home. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Father... There is nothing in this life worth more than the souls of men and women. There is no possession. There is no wealth. There is no security. There is no safety. There is nothing in this life more valuable than the souls of men and women. And the reason that is, is because the scriptures say, you told us that you, we were bought at a price. And it was with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. You paid for us by your own blood. And there is nothing more valuable than that price. You value us more than all of creation and everything in it. Father, help us to value each other as much as you value us. Help us to love others the way you love every person. Help us to to focus on and to reach out to people the way that you do. Father, we can't get through this world without you. We wouldn't want to. And Father, we know that we have an opportunity here every single year to give to international missions. And we thank you through the power of the Holy Spirit for working in these missionaries' lives to bring people to faith in your Son, Jesus. And so, Father, we pray for them. We pray for these missionaries. We pray for, for their protection and for their, their work to go forward. We pray that you help them to have the conversations and have the energy and have the, the wisdom and have the love that they need to hold their families together as they do your work to bring people to Christ. We know it's difficult and we know it's hard, but there's nothing that can't be done without you. And so, Father, we thank you that you are at work in the world today. And Father, we ask that you help us to play a part in your work. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen.